This past few months have seen what has been called a stalemate or war of attrition in Ukraine. There has been much talk about Ukraine's spring offensive, which has yet to materialize. There are only three weeks of spring left, and Zelensky has been jetting around Europe soliciting more weapons and ammunitions for this big event. He has visited Italy, France, and Britain so far. The Western media has produced story after story of declining Russian morale, lack of ammunition, major defeats, death of Russian troops, by being virtually silent on Ukrainian losses, especially around Bakhmud, the kill box Russia has created for Ukrainian forces. Before withdrawing, they left major roads and bridges open into the area, allowing the Ukrainians to commit a huge portion of his forces into this area. Systematically, it's been cutting down these forces while sitting relatively still during the winter and the muddy season in Ukraine. The weather has made a big impact on the war in Ukraine this winter. The topsoil in Ukraine can extend from 14 to 20 feet deep, creating a situation where tanks cannot move on unpaved roads during the muddy season. Soldiers will sink up to their waists or chests if they step into these areas. In an interview with ABC News, retired U.S. military meteorologist David Helm spoke about the impact of the weather in Ukraine on its armed forces. Mr. Helms described Ukraine's mud season as a time where roads don't exist. As the ground thaws out from the winter freeze, the ground usually starts to turn to mud in early spring, making unsealed roads impassable. The soil will begin to dry across Ukraine from the south, meaning that within a certain window, if timed correctly, Ukraine could advance while Russian tanks are still stuck in the mud. This year, April experienced unusually high rainfall, extending the muddy season by about a month. Such conditions make ground operations, resupply, and air support much more difficult to sustain. Now, there is a phrase in Samuel that describes this kind of time. We read in 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, It came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Well, this is the kind of time that's fast approaching in Ukraine. The milder winter kept troops locked in position as the ground did not freeze significantly enough to allow movement. Soon the ground will dry up and movement will be possible once again. Already we are seeing the machines of war beginning to rumble. The head of Russia's Wagner Group says the counteroffensive has begun. Zelensky says it has been delayed. The level of strategic disinformation on both sides of the conflict makes it difficult to ascertain the real facts on the ground. Well, Western governments have been sending billions of dollars of military aid to Ukraine in the forms of weapons, ammunition, and cash. However, this is not an inexhaustible supply, and opposition to the continued investment in a losing war is growing. ABC News reported Dr. Jessica Genoa, senior lecturer in international relations at Flinders University, stating, Overall, it's clear that by September or October this year, Ukraine will need to have shown success in a counterattack to ensure continued weapon supplies for Western partners or the ability to negotiate peace on beneficial terms. End quote. 
Well, the negotiations of peace does not seem to be something that Zelensky is interested in. During his trip to Italy, Zelensky also met with Pope Francis. Francis has been criticized for not coming out in support of Ukraine and keeping on friendly terms with Russia. In a very unreported comment, the following was stated by Zelensky in a special interview with Bruno Vespa on the Italian TV show Porta Porta. He stated, It was an honor for me to meet with His Holiness, but he knows my position. The war is in Ukraine and the peace plan must be Ukrainian. With all respect for His Holiness, we do not need mediators, we just need peace. We urge the Pope, like other leaders, to work for a just peace, but first we must do all the rest. He said, stressing that it didn't make sense to try to involve Russia in dialogue now. You can't do mediation with Putin. No country in the world can do it, end quote. Well, that doesn't appear in many Western media outlets, but it is reported throughout many Asian media outlets. Now, over the weekend, a huge depot in the city of Chmelnitsky, storing missiles and ammunition, was struck by Russian drones. Residents reported windows and roofs being blown off their houses. Now, this is the second depot strike in three days. CNN reported last Wednesday an ammunition depot of the 65th Mechanized Brigade of the Armed Forces of Ukraine was destroyed near a village in the Zaporizhia region, said the ministry in its daily briefing. There's no word from the Ukrainian side. Now, this is part of an ongoing targeting of Ukrainian depots, as the Russian Defense Ministry also reported on Sunday, stating, In the seaports of Odessa, on the territory of a shipyard, a docked Ukrainian warship, and a warehouse of Harpoon anti-ship missiles supplied by the U.S. to the Kiev regime have been destroyed by sea-based high-precision long-range missiles, the Russian Defense Ministry said in a statement Sunday. The attack also crippled a repair facility where vessels of the Ukrainian Navy have been fixed, General Igor Konoshenkov told reporters in Moscow. End quote. Another unreported event is the blowing up of a bridge that connects Moldova to Ukraine, the potential route that NATO forces from Romania could enter Ukraine and support Odessa in the event of a major escalation. The Zatoka Rail Bridge spanning the massive Nystar River connecting Moldova and Odessa was destroyed by a marine drone in February. Ukraine Forum reported on Monday that a week earlier a strike had taken place. On Tuesday, May 10th, Russian invaders struck a bridge crossing the Nystr estuary with a missile for the fourth time. According to Ukraine Forum, Odessan City Council reported this on Telegram, citing the Operation South Command. A cruise missile hit Odessa region again. The enemy continues to attack the already damaged bridge across the Nystr estuary, the statement said. Russian troops launched the third missile attack on a bridge across the Nystr estuary on May 2nd. Prior to that, the enemy's missile strikes hit the bridge on April 26th and 27th, end quote. Well, this effectively removes the option of moving troops or equipment to supply Odessa, Ukraine's Black Sea port as retired U.S. General Douglas McGregor pointed out in a recent interview. But what the Russians did this weekend was very telling as to where we're headed. They attacked bridges on the border between Moldova and Ukraine and destroyed them with vast numbers of missiles. Now, why is this important? 
If you go to the Romanian border with Ukraine along the Black Sea, it's terrible. It's a terrible area to maneuver in, to move in. And the only good areas to move through, if you're going to move large numbers of troops, is to move up through southern Moldova and then over this very large bridge that was there for traffic. There's a, a rail bridge that was also destroyed, but it's primarily this very good bridge because that bridge is the link to Odessa. And what the Russians have just done is foreclose the NATO option of committing large ground forces through Romania and Moldova into southern Ukraine in the direction of Odessa. So Odessa is very definitely on the menu. Secondly, a buildup of Ukrainian forces down in Odessa has been detected, including 14 Leopard tanks. And these forces have now come under very determined attack by the Russians. So I think what we're witnessing now is the last stage before the Great Offensive which is going to move north up to the Dnipro. And I think we'll see a, another massive movement across the Dnieper River and then south into Odessa. I think we'll see some movement through the center, up through Bakhmut and that avenue of approach and further north and east towards Kharkov. Remember, there are about 300,000 forces down in the south with 200,000 more Russian reserves behind them, either in uh, Western Russia or behind those that are already in the South. And that doesn't include the 150,000 Russian troops sitting up in Belarusia. So the Russians have almost, I would say, an inexhaustible mountain of ammunition, missiles, rockets, aircraft, bombs, you name it. And the Ukrainians, on the other hand, as has been pointed out, are running out of what they do have, which is not very much. And NATO and, and its allies, in other words, the Americans and, and the European allies, simply don't have additional equipment and weapons and munitions to send. So Russia appears to be strategically positioning itself for a push forward on all fronts with its massive army that has been recruited and trained during the past six months. So what has all this got to do with the Bible? Well, after 446 days of war, all the predictions of Russia's imminent collapse have proven overstated. The Western media has been constantly carrying a narrative of imminent success of Ukraine, yet the war keeps going on. The Bible paints a different picture of the eventual endgame. Ezekiel is clear, as we have discussed before, that eventually Russia will be in control of Europe. The Bible is explicit. Ezekiel 38, verse 2, reading from the RV, Son of man, set thy face towards Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Well, the prince of Rosh, or Russia, presides over the land of Magog. The Jewish historian Josephus describes Magog as being the region of Scythia. The Greek historian describes how that the Scythian region is between the river Don and the river Danube. The much-disputed Donetsk and Donbass regions in Ukraine, now mostly in Russia's possession, are named after the River Don. Donbass literally means the Don Basin, which lies at Ukraine's eastern border. The River Danube begins just outside the far southwestern region of Ukraine. Magog encompasses the area between these two rivers, including the modern countries of Ukraine, Romania, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Poland, and Germany. As we read on in Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 3, 
and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, or Russia, Meshach, the Muscovites, and Tubal, the Tobolsk region, and I will turn thee back, and I will put hooks in thy jaws, and will bring thee forth, and thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling sword, Persia, or Iran, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, which is Western Europe, and all his bands where they migrated, and the house of Tagarma, which is the Caucasus region of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them." Well, these areas are under Russian or Gogian dominance in the latter day. So while the Western media attempts to distort the narrative and to suit its political intrigues, the Bible is clear of the eventual outcome. This war has been going on for 446 days, over a year. It was really back in 2014, though, it began when Russia took Crimea. The push west by Russia is inevitable because the finger of God has indicated the course to be pursued by these nations. We cannot become complacent in the face of such epic movements on the prophetic scale. Christadelphians have been looking for these events over the past 175 years, and now Russia is beginning to make its grand move. Having been awakened from sleep last year, we cannot simply roll over into complacency, saying in our hearts, as is stated in 2 Peter 3 verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? For all, for from the day that the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. All things will not continue as they were. Our God has sounded the trumpet in advance of his son's return to give us ample opportunity to put our houses in order. The avalanche of prophetic events is beginning, and there will be no stopping it. As the sun arises and dries up the mud in Ukraine, making way for the advancement of Russian troops, let us remember there's another sun arising. As we read in Malachi 4 verse 2, Unto you that fear my name shall the sun of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Ours is to heed that wake-up call. Prepare with excited anticipation for the Lord's soon arrival. Do not be lulled to sleep by the lies of the politicians and the media as they all try to manipulate events. Look to the word of God to be our guide. Listen to the trumpet sound. Watch and be sober. Let our lights shine brightly, our lamps be full of oil, our loins girded, our staff in our hand and our shoes on our feet, ready to go at a moment's notice when the angels come and knock on our door. For the Bible in the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.